0: whatever thought you are thinking, your body is very busy making it real. Mm. And if you tell yourself a better lie, your body will work very hard to make that
1: thought real. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. off your next 12-pack, head to Amazon and use promo code 20PureLeaf. That's promo code 20PureLeaf for 20% off. With Capella University's FlexPath learning format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Welcome to today's special episode. Over the last 1300 plus episodes, there have been so many impactful interviews that I've been lucky enough to have. And I always like to reflect on some of the most powerful And this episode was one that resonated with most of you guys in the past. And I'm excited for the value it's going to bring you today as well. So I hope you enjoy today's episode. We talked about this before on the show about the lies we tell ourselves and the stories we tell ourselves. And a lot of us tell ourselves really bad lies Mm. and you said we need to start telling ourselves better lies i'm curious why do we need to do that and how can that help us start manifesting things in a different way in our lives
0: well you know our greatest pain is from the lies we tell ourselves Mm. if you said to someone you're breaking up with i don't love you anymore you're boring or you're not sexy or i found someone else that's very hurtful but we can go they've got an agenda We can almost account, my boss said I was terrible, but he's having a bad day. But the lies we tell ourselves, the mind doesn't go, well, you're having a bad day. You have an agenda it believes they must be true. And the simplicity is if you are prepared to lie to yourself, which you clearly are when you go, I'm the size of a house. If I look at a cake, I gain a pound. My kid is making me want to jump out of a window. This freeway would be the death of me. See, none of those things are true. I'm, I could eat a horse, we, we know that can't possibly be true. But if you're prepared to lie to yourself, why not tell yourself a better lie? Because mm. your mind doesn't know, and it really doesn't care if what you tell it is good or bad, true or false. So a simple thing, I got a memory like a sieve, I have an excellent memory. I'm falling apart, I got great coping skills. If I look at a cake, I gain weight. I have a phenomenal metabolic rate. You Mm. see, every thought you think you make real. And if you doubt that, think of this. If you think of something embarrassing, you will blush. If you think of something sad, your eyes will fill up with tears. If you think of food, your stomach rumbles. If you think of something sexy, you can get physically aroused to a thought. So the body makes thoughts real whatever thought you are thinking, your body is very busy making it real. Mm. And if you tell yourself a better lie, your body will work very hard to make that thought real.
1: Yeah, it's like I can imagine I'm having a a pumpkin pie right now, Yeah, I can imagine like the smell of pumpkin and the taste and I'll start to salivate, my body will start to salivate thinking there's a pumpkin pie in front of me. Of course, Imagining chewing into the Mm. crust of the pumpkin pie, the sweetness, and I'll start to feel it in my body, although there's there's a lie. There's nothing in front of me right now. Just like there could be, uh, you know, my girlfriend could walk in front of me but she's not in front of me and I can feel something I can imagine and think about it.
0: Yeah, that's why when you read letters, you get tears in Mm. your eyes. You look at pictures, you go, oh, I'm remembering that. So every thought you think causes both the physical reaction and an emotional response. So if you think better thoughts, you have to get better emotional reactions and better
1: responses. What what about memories then? What if we have memories that were real in our lives, that was like, okay, I used to be overweight or someone Mm. did dump me and there was this pain, there was this thing. How do we tell ourselves a better lie or story around memories of the past so they don't keep hurting Mm. us today?
0: Well, you know, that's a great question because An event will affect you. You know what really affects you about an event? The meaning you attach Mm -hmm. to it. So I could say Mm -hmm. I wasn't the favorite kid. My sister was the favorite. My brother was a smart kid. My sister was a pretty kid. And I felt like this thing in the middle, this kind of thing. Right. And I can go back and go, yeah, so what does that mean? It means Mm. what I've decided to make it mean. I've decided I'm really glad because it gave me, I'll show you. You want to write me off, but I'll show you. So we can all look back at our past and go, I should have been a girl, should have been a boy, should have been academic. My parents wanted that, but you know, Don't make someone else's story your story. My mother's story, I should have been someone else's baby, was always her story. It traumatized her entire life, but it wasn't my story. It was her story. And when people say, my mother said, oh, you can't trust your own shadow. Don't trust men, don't trust people. It's very important to go, well, that's your story. You wanted a boy and I was the third girl. You wanted a girl and I was the fourth boy. But it's insane, but that's your story. My story is I'm meant to be here. I'm meant to be me. I got something to offer the world, even if I don't know what it is. So the significance of an event is linked to what you make of it. I was given up for adoption. That means I wasn't loved. But Mm. it could mean my parents loved me so much. They sacrificed the joy of having me to let someone else raise me. to give me a better life. It, it's always the, the meaning that you attach to an event and the very good news is, you know what, you can change the meaning like that anytime you like.
1: So even if we've held on to a meaning for 20, 30 years about something, it's still possible to change it later in life?
0: Yeah. And when you go back and meet these people, they go, oh, no, I didn't mean that. I always told mm. you you were rubbish because I thought it would make you smarter. I always told you you were stupid because I hoped it would make you intelligent. I told you I didn't love you because I felt inadequate. Even you know, the amount of fathers I made to go, I never see my kids because I'm useless. Mm. I would just damage them. Wow. I thought the best thing I could do was to remove myself from their life so their mum would find a better dad. And they really have no concept of how that damages the child, that they say, the best thing I could do was be away from you, I was a crazy alcoholic, I didn't want to pass that on, so I left you to benefit you. But the child doesn't hear, the child thinks you left me because I wasn't worth being with. That's the problem, the minute a child feels abandoned, they never blame the abandoner, my dad left, because he's crazy, because he's a drunk. They blame themselves. A child never stops loving, them. they immediately stop loving themselves. Uh. And that's why you're going back and go, okay, so I've been telling myself a lie, my dad left because he didn't love me. My mum brought different boyfriends home every six months because I didn't make her happy. And then you go back and go, oh, but that's not true. My mother loved me very much, but she couldn't cope. She gave me to my grandmother because she thought I'd be better off. So when you go back Mm. and revisit the lie and update it, you realize, oh, so what's true is what I decide to be true. Some guy dumped me. You know, I I worked with somebody recently who said that her first experience of her first boyfriend was him saying to her, "You're, you're rubbish in bed. And the second boyfriend dumped her because he came from a different country and she could speak his language, he couldn't speak hers. And he later told her, I felt so stupid in mm. front of you. So I sent you a note saying, don't ever call me again. And those two men traumatized her so much as she couldn't have a relationship with her husband who loved her. But then she went back and said, well, the first guy was an idiot because <laughs> by the way, his job was to seduce me. Mm. And he did a terrible job. And the second one felt so inadequate around me You know, I've worked with supermodels who say, men put me down. They're so intimidated by our looks. They go, well, you're not very bright. You've got enormous feet. You know, you're not all that. And they let it in. Wow. And I worked with a famous model who said, every man I'm with, they start to diminish me because they're intimidated by me. So they start to pick holes in me and I let them. And it's so important to go back and look at the past and change it, you can change it Mm. at any time.
1: Why do we think we let other people and ourselves speak so negatively to us? We allow other people's words to come in and then we reaffirm those words to ourselves Mm. internally. Why do you think we do that so often?
0: You know, It very much depends on what happens in your childhood. Here's Mm -hmm. the thing about the mind and it's really vexing. Your mind is hardwired to go back to what it knows. It Mm -hmm. always wants to return to what's familiar. familiar while resisting what is unfamiliar. If you grew up in a house with a lot of praise and parents who say, you know, you're a great kid, you've got so much to offer the world, you're going to find someone who adores you because you've got so much to offer, you will expect that. Unfortunately, that isn't the norm. The norm is criticism. Mm. And if criticism is familiar, not only do we reject praise, we actually begin to criticize ourselves. We pick up what we know. You know, if you brought up in a house with fast food and vegetables, you don't go, hey, I need vegetables. We, the mind will always go back to what it recognizes because that's what once kept us alive. What we know, like if you have a two-year-old kid, they go, I, I don't want to eat that. it's got lumps in it. It's the wrong color. I only like pink yogurt in a blue bowl. But what they're really saying is, I don't know that yogurt mm. with lumps in it. And my brain wants what I know because it keeps us alive. And that's a fact, the mind likes what's familiar. But here's another fact, you can make anything you like familiar. And one of the biggest things to change your life is to make praise familiar. And it can be a very simple praise. I'm a good person, I've got a good heart, mm-hmm. I think good thoughts. You know, I find that one of the most powerful things to do in therapy, and it teaches that a lot in the book, is to think of the words you've always wanted to hear and to start saying them yourself mm. so
1: the words you've always wanted to hear from your parents yeah or from siblings. anybody yeah. so
0: you could say okay if i had a great partner what would they say to me if i had great parents what would they say if i had a great boss mm. or amazing friends and it's not really rocket science what would a great parent say they'd go right. you're a great kid gosh how lucky am i to be your parent mm. what a joy it is to raise you wow and many parents don't what would a great friend say I love being your friend. If there was a template for a great friend, you would be it. What would a great partner say? You're the one. I just love your voice. I love everything about you. you're so smart. What would a great boss say? You are indispensable to this company. So what we do is you mm. go, well, I haven't got that. So we either give it up. No one's ever gonna give me those words. I'm gonna accept, I'll never hear them. And we say things like, I never ask for anything, me. Well, what do you then get? Nothing but I never ask for anything. So I don't expect anything. I'm in my apartment with my pets. I don't ask for anything. So we give the need up or we give it away. I've got to find someone out there to tell me these things. Mm. And that works until there's someone out there gets sick or ill or has their own issues or they move on. But when you decide, hey, I can do that. I can think of what I most want to hear Say it myself, it may sound silly, but it's no sillier than saying I'm an idiot, I've got mm. rocks for brains, everything I touch falls apart. That's also silly and deeply harmful.
2: Yeah. So if
0: you decide what you most want to hear and start to go, I matter.
2: Right.
0: I'm here for a reason. I'm a good person, I'm lovable, I'm someone's <clears throat> fantasy dream country because you mm. are. Someone someone <laughs> in the world would look and go, oh my God, you're my fantasy dream come true. Not everybody, but someone. Right. Someone going, you know your problem? That kid keeping you up all night, the partner leaving their dirty pants. the floor. I love that problem. <laughs> so silly it's as so it sounds. You, so interesting you say yeah. that because
1: my girlfriend, um, the more we date, I'll, I'll bring stuff up and I'll say, we might have like a, a sensitive conversation and I'll say I'm about to tell you something you're not going to like because mm-hmm. I'm used to in the past yeah. saying things that has this terrible reaction in relationships or someone can't mm. handle the truth about yeah. who I am or things I do or whatever. And I, and I so I set it up with her. I go, I'm about to say something you're really not going to like, and uh, yeah. So I'm just letting you know you're not going to like this, but but I'm going to be mm. true and authentic to me and not walk on eggshells and not be afraid to communicate who I am. And I'll say the thing, and she goes, that's it? She goes, I thought it was gonna be something horrible, but I love that thing about you.
0: Isn't that nice? It's
1: so, and you're like, really? Well, yeah. it's, so there's always someone who likes mm. that thing about you.
0: Yeah, there's someone who loves your little fatty little tummy, who loves <laughs> your triple thigh. I remember one of my friends saying, I saw my wife, and he said her thighs are rubbing together. It was the sexiest thing I'd ever seen. <laughs> He said, in my life, he said, I was walking behind her in a store and I had to get no because he said, that was just so sexy. You think, really? I thought we wanted a thigh gap, but we're all different. Yeah. And it, But it really helps to think that you've got something to offer somebody. But the minute you start to say, I matter, or, I'm a good person, I'm smart. I can mm-hmm. contribute something amazing to my company. If you keep saying it, you see, when you give it up, you, you accept it's never going to happen. And that's such a shame, because it could. But when you give it away, you've given someone else a job of meeting your needs. When mm-hmm. you say, hey, what do I need? I need to feel loved. So as silly as it sounds, going, well, I am lovable. Someone's going to love me. I've got all the qualities that somebody will find deeply lovable. When you say it, it makes such an impact on mm-hmm. your sense of self that people do pick that up. You know, we all know that annoying thing, you can't find a date, and then suddenly you find someone and then you get hit on. You think, wow, well, how did that happen? Because you're now resonating the feet. When someone says, I rang just to hear your voice. Mm. I I just look at your picture. I call your phone just to listen to your message. You think, oh, someone loves me, I must be lovable. But if you can put that into yourself, it lasts forever.
1: How do we put that in ourselves when we've never been familiar with those mm. thoughts and those that routine of loving ourselves?
0: One of the things I put in the book, which was so important, was something called installing your own cheerleader. See, a cheerleader mm. only knows how to bang symbols. Even when you're losing, when a team loses, their cheerleaders and go, "Oh, you were rubbish! Right. Oh my God, you stank they up!" Keep they say, "Hey, you <laughs> tried really hard, and you were amazing, and you and you'll win next time." You know, we just did something in England where we put this into schools. We had 500 schools sign up and each class actually created the cheerleader. They said, we, we actually made little toys of the cheerleader they mm. designed. And we were showing them how to go from I can't to I can in just five days by having a cheerleader that says, you've got this. Your name is all over this. No one can do this better than you. And so at the cheerleader is your voice saying, you can do this, and you know what? It doesn't matter if you win. It matters that you loved competing. You did great, mm-hmm. you did amazing. And the cheerleader will cheer you on academically, but it cheer- it cheerleads who you are. And we have a critical voice going, oh, you're, that's gonna, you're gonna mess that up. That's never going to work. Why would you even think mm-hmm. that could happen? No one from our families ever had their own business you haven't got anything to offer here. And the cheerleader flips on its head and says, you can do it, you yeah. can do it. And we've had such a great response from those 500 schools who said that bullying stopped, children are getting better, but they get getting better with each other too. And so we should all have yeah. a cheerleader. So it's very important I put the download in that book where all you have to do is download it and play it. And it makes you feel good because, you know, when you're a kid at school and you're running a race and someone is cheering you Uh on, going, you can do it. You've got this. It may be your friend, it may be a parent. When you're going for a job and your friends go, hey, I know you can do this. But when you can say it, you don't think, oh, who can I call now to be my cheerleader? Mm
1: Too. In person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com, where their award-winning app, State Farm, lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
0: Being your own cheerleader is amazing because if you look at people who make it, someone like Tony Robbins, mm-hmm. they definitely have a cheerleader going, hey, you can do this. Right. Going for a big interview, go, well, you can do it. Thinking a big thought, they go, well, why not? Of course I can do it.
1: Mm-hmm. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to criticize you externally. A lot yeah. of people aren't going to be your cheerleader. Mm-hmm. Hopefully sure. some will and hopefully at different times of life people will be cheering you on. But there will be definitely seasons where people will criticize and try to pull mm-hmm. you down in negative ways. Whether oh, yeah. it's negative reviews online or to your face or, or if you're an athlete, you go into the opposing arena. Yeah. They're all booing you. You've got to have some type of cheerleader in your mind Yeah, in order to take that on.
0: Yeah, because the most important words you will ever hear in your entire life are the words you say to yourself. And Mm. when you have a cheerleader, you understand the truth. There is nothing that will change your life more than letting in praise, but not letting in destructive criticism. Constructive criticism is okay. Hey, I just want to tell you, you're always late, and if only you could be here on time, Mm. it would make our life so much better. You could say to your partner, look, I love you dearly, but every time I come downstairs and there's like, coffee all over the counter and could you just rinse out the sink? That's okay. But if you can get into the habit of letting in your own praise and other people's while deflecting criticism, it's such a game-changer. In my years of being a therapist, I've seen over and over and I just get people to let in praise And not let in criticism, it changes their entire life.
1: Why is it challenging for people to let in praise and to receive it? Especially in today, I feel like when someone acknowledges someone else, they kind of deflect it. They say, well, you know, I could have done better. Yeah, or uh, I I wasn't that good. Yeah. Why is it so challenging for us to receive acknowledgement and praise and do it in a a humble way and not Mm -hmm. a, I know I'm the best? and look the best and the prettiest and you know in the world type of way.
0: You know it isn't normal. If you say to a little kid, you look so cute, they smile. And they, they, And if you say to a little child, wow, you're a smart kid. They don't go, no, I'm actually really stupid. You should see the other kids in my class. They're way better than wow. me. They let it in. We teach people that it's not okay. Don't get ahead of yourself. Don't be big-headed. Don't show off who do you think you are. People won't like you mm. if you're better than them. Don't ever tell anyone what you've got. And so we learn, oh, it's not okay. And if we get criticized a lot, it becomes so familiar that we actually let that in. And the praise is so unfamiliar that we reject it. Mm. So we find ourselves saying, oh, it wasn't, I wasn't really any good. I just was winging it. It's like even in that Spanish expression, Nanada, nada, don't mention it. I go, no, you should really Mm. mention it. When you do a great job and people say, well done, You should go, thank you so much. I'm so glad you love my book. I loved writing. I wrote it for someone like you. You Don't go, oh, it's terrible. Didn't you notice all the spelling mistakes and it's not formatted very well? It's like if someone gave you a gift and you go, oh, I hate that gift. You know, if I gave you that cup as a gift, you go, I hate it. It's a horrible color. I don't like the writing. (laughs) So see praise as a gift that you wouldn't go, Mm. I hate this gift. Why did you think I'd even like it? And just learn to say thank you. Yeah. I've had so many clients just getting them to accept praise and saying, look, you can make it familiar. In fact, I was teaching a course in London and this girl came up and she was very sad. And so we did a session and it was really interesting what had happened to her. And at the end I said, you know, I'm going to get the whole audience to come up and give you a hug. She went, oh no, no, that's very hard. I said, you know, it's not hard. Mm. It's unfamiliar, but you can make it familiar. Halfway through she said, Marissa, the cameraman's not in the line. I said, get in line. He was very good looking. <laughs> I said, you see how quickly you made that familiar? Mm. Being praised, being held, believing you are worthy of love. You have a choice. You know, you always have a choice. Rationalize why you can't have it or talk yourself into having mm. it and always make the second choice. I can make this familiar. When I dated my husband, I made, had a choice. I'm going to make, A different kind of person familiar Mm. because I knew he was such a good person and a kind person and a funny person.
1: And what were you familiar with before that?
0: Well you know I was very I was a head teacher's daughter you might call it a principal's daughter. So my dad was very interested in other people's children. He was paid to be interested Mm. in other people's children. He would give them all his time. He was at a hanky ready. He was he was a really good guy but he wasn't really interested in us because It was much harder work with us. And so my thing was, you got to work really hard to get someone's attention. And that's very common with people. I've got to earn love, Mm. chase love, work so hard for love. And that's not true. Love isn't to be earned or chased or run after or paid for. Mm. It's just there. So I had to give up that belief that I got to earn love. So of course, I liked men who made me work. They always had. Jobs or existing families and some terrible breakup and traumatized children, and because of that, I couldn't possibly at the top of the list. You can't expect a father with three little babies to put you first. Mm. But then I realized, oh, this I'm just making. And then I, actually, it's was when I was dating someone who said to me, "I won't allow you to eat that." I'm like. When did you become a head teacher? And that was a penny drop. Wow, my dad is a teacher. Here am I with this person who I can't eat. And, and I stopped dating him overnight. It was very confusing for him, but not for me, because I thought, oh, mm. I'm dating my dad. And of course I could never have sex in the game when I had that realization, because <laughs> it's like, wow, that's not that's not very healthy. But I was so glad he did that, told me what I couldn't eat. And he wasn't, mm. he wasn't trying to control me. He said, We're going out for dinner. He said, you, you don't need to eat that. We're going out in two hours to this big, place. he was a big foodie, I won't allow it. Mm. And that was, for me, the penny drop. Oh, i won't
1: allow dating it. dating
0: people like my dad and trying to make them give me all their attention. And life is way too short to find someone like your parent and change the ending. You got to find the person who changed the beginning. So I realized what I was doing is recreating what I knew, someone absent, very preoccupied with their career. And I was trying to change the ending. And when I got that realization, I thought, well, I just changed the beginning. I find someone warm and available who'll put me first. It doesn't happen like that. You have to pay attention to the old habit of going back to what you know. So I could say, If I was a woman who had a cold, absent, critical father, I'm in a bar, meet a cold, absent, critical, and I think, oh, Mm. just clicked like that. I felt like i would known them my whole life. It's because their behavior is so familiar. You want to run towards it when really you need to run away from it and go Mm. cold, absent, critical. How about warm, kind, (laughs) friendly, loving, putting you first, decide. And it's a choice, I'm going to make that familiar, a good guy, Mm. a kind guy, someone who will put me first. And once you make the decision and you remind yourself of it, it becomes familiar because while our mind likes what is familiar, that is a fact, we can choose what to make familiar and indeed choose to go, well, no. So when people say he was too good for me, what they're really saying is his behavior was so unfamiliar, Mm. I didn't recognize it. I ran back to what I knew but you have to run away from what you know. It's also like saying, well, this is comfortable. Why don't I make it uncomfortable? And I make what's uncomfortable, comfortable sitting with it until it's familiar. It's
1: familiar. I want to get to that um, more a little later about the relationship stuff, because I have a lot to share on that, things I've learned this year. But I'm curious on the the thoughts and the lies and Mm. manifesting. I'm curious if you think we're able to manifest anything we want, a good relationship, the career, or a new business, or uh, financial abundance, if we are stuck in a negative thought routine. Is it possible to manifest uh, and accomplish what we want in a negative thought routine?
0: No, I, you can't manifest when you are negative. I want money, but when you have money, you never know who your friends. Mm-hmm. I want to be really sexy, but I don't want all that unwanted attention. I want a great job, but I'll never see my kids. I'll be a terrible parent. The mind is going to get into one lane. Here's one lane that says, I want to be a great parent, but another says I want to have a great career and I can't go into both lanes. Well, that, but after you can put that lane on, I could have a great career and be a great And It takes work, it takes balance, but it's very, very possible. Mm-hmm. The problem is the mind is like a missile. It, it wants to go there, but it keeps going there if it doesn't really know what you want. I want love, but it would kill me to be rejected.
2: Mm.
0: I want success, but am I really gonna give up all the things I love to be successful? So you've got to really identify what you want. To manifest anything, you have to want it. And I think people have got very confused. Like, they sit go, on, sit on the chair and manifest a great guy. Well, unless that's the Amazon delivery guy, <laughs> that's just not gonna work.
2: Right.
0: I, I want a great body, but I'm not gonna do anything. So to be a manifest, you have to do three things, and you have mm. to do all three. The first is the easy one, or maybe not easy. You have to decide you are worth it. I'm worthy of love. I'm worthy of a phenomenal relationship. I'm worthy of success. Even I'm worthy of wealth or health, I'm worth it. And that probably is at least 80% of manifesting. And many people manifest with a thought, not really worthy. Really? I'm going to, be, I'm going to find love, but they're going to leave me. I'm going to find wealth, but I don't know how I'm going to keep it. I'm going to have a great job, but the, it's going to kill me working those hours. So your first thought must be, I'm worth it. Mm. But then there's a second part, which is what does it look like? And maybe so I'm going to be a millionaire. For what? I don't know. I'm going to be a, I want a great person. What are they like? I don't know. Mm. They got a nice six pack and drive a nice car. So the second part is you must really know what does it look like? Mm-hmm. If you don't know what it looks like, how are you going to go after it? The mind will go after something it is clear about. So you might say, I want a really flat stomach. What does that look like? Well, it looks like not eating so many carbs, not eating late at night, going to the gym. If you know what it looks like and you believe you're worth it, you'll have it. But then the third part is, after you've decided you're worth it, and you know what it looks like. What are you gonna do? Mm. Because if you really want a six pack, you might have to do three hundred sit ups a day. And if you're not prepared to do that, you don't want it enough. So I could say I wanted to write a book. Did I feel I was worth it? Yeah, I had to work on myself. Hey, you know, I got a message and mm-hmm. I think I can people tell me I really help them. They tell me I change their lives. So I'm worth putting that in a book. What does it look like? Well, it looks like gonna to have to what is this book? What's it going to be about? What's the storyline? What am I going to call it? Who is my audience? Am I going to write what I want to write or what people want to hear? So I had to know who is my market. And then here's the third part. i got to sit down and write that book. And mm-hmm. it takes a long time to write a book. And when you've written it, it takes even longer, as you know, mm-hmm. to do all the press, all the pieces, yeah. for magazines. So... You can't have one of the two or two of the two. And let's say I want love. I gotta believe I'm really worthy of love. I've got to really nail in I am worthy of love. I deserve to love someone who loves me back. What does that look like? I, I better get a clear idea of the kind of person I want in my life. And then when I look at like where am I going to find it? I'm not going to find it watching Netflix. And a lot of people say, Yeah, I go to yoga, but there's no men in yoga. I go to women's reading groups, where's the guy? You know, you have to go to the weight room. And the same thing with guys, you know, you're not gonna find someone in a bar, Mm -hmm. but you might find them dog walking, you might find them in an IT class. So you have to be very clear about I'm worth it, I know what it looks like, and what am I going to do to get it? Mm because I think so many people think manifesting is thinking about what you want and sitting on the couch and it's gonna turn up, but you have to get out of the house. If you believe you are lovable and know the kind of person you want and put yourself in front of them, you'll probably go home with them for good, but Mm -hmm. you can't just do one of the two, two of the two, you gotta do all three.
1: Yeah, and one of the things I love to do with the action steps, it can seem like if you're trying to lose 50 or 100 pounds, it can seem like, man, I have to work this hard for yeah. a year in order to accomplish this. And you just did a hard workout for the first week and you're exhausted. You're yeah. like, I don't know how I'm going to be able to do this. Sure. And I think if you just really think, I just have to do this one day. Yeah. You know, I just got to show up today and I'm going to do this seven days sure. in a row and celebrate the week. And yeah. then Do another week. And over time, that's going to really yeah. start paying off. What do you think about, I, I love the idea of deciding you're worth it and worth having Mm. what you want and that you're worthy of what you want. Mm. If you haven't learned to heal whatever is a a past trauma in your life, are you gonna be able to fully manifest without healing as well? Or is deciding you're worth it, start the healing process?
0: See, if you think you're not worth it, you'll get rid of it. I mean, I've worked, you probably know that 70% of lottery, 70% of lottery winners are bankrupt in three years. Why? because they don't feel they're worth it. They didn't work for it. They didn't have, I'm worth this money. What does it look like to have Mm. all this money? What could I do with it that's so good? They just think, wow, I got all this money. And what's familiar if you just have a job that doesn't pay a lot is spending the money until it runs out and then next week you get more. And so if you don't feel you're worth it, self-sabotage, procrastination, Mm -hmm. and nothing more than a fear of not being enough, and so you stop yourself getting there. So if you believe you're not worth it and you find love, you find money, you find wealth, you'll get rid of it. And we see that with Amy Winehouse, Mm. with Whitney Houston. We see it over and over again. We saw it with George Michael. I always think of him every Christmas because he had so much except the belief I'm worth it. Mm. And so if you don't do step one first, which is just decide every day, I'm worth love. I deserve love, I'm worthy of love. Because after all, how could you not be worthy of love? Everyone is worthy of love. So if you don't do that bit and you just do the other two, what does it look like? I'll go and get it.
1: It's never gonna feel enough. But you'll get rid of it. Mm -hmm.
0: And we see people all the time who say, I know what's wrong with me. I remember Sandra Bullock's husband saying, what did I do? I had this beautiful girl and I messed it up. Well, of course you messed it up because you never felt you were worthy of it in the first place. So everything else you're going to do to get what you want, if you don't do the first step first, wire in that you're worthy, you'll spend a lot of time getting rid of it, ruining it, destroying it, acting out, sabotaging yourself.
1: Are we able to believe we're worthy if we haven't started to heal, though, is it, you know, can we just say, okay, I'm worthy even though my parents abandoned me and I've, you know, lost every relationship I've been in, you know, how do we bridge the gap from starting to tell ourselves a better lie, knowing we're worthy and healing?
0: You know, that's such a great question because you ha- and often in the book, I invite you to go back to imagine any little baby that's just been born. They never go, don't look at me. I've got milk spots, I've got these triple (laughs) thighs, I've got a huge tummy, haven't got any clothes on. You know, when I had a baby and I'd take her out in the store, we would come and look at her and she'd smile, her big gummy smile and kick her little legs with her triple knees and it never occurred to her that she wasn't the most gorgeous thing Mm. in the world. You know, when you got, I remember that picture of you with your cat, you just got in, it it was on your chest going, oh, Lewis, you just want to love me, because I'm lovable, so the good news is, every person is born believing they're lovable. Mm. We know we're lovable as a child because we demand attention, we demand feeding. You know, you can take in a random pet, but it will come up and wrap its legs around you when it wants to be fed. It doesn't run behind the fridge and never comes out because it believes it's worthy. So the good news is you are born certain that you are lovable, convinced you're lovable, And then it gets chipped away. And then you begin to buy, I'm not worthy. I don't have a great education. Mm -hmm. I don't have a six pack. I'm not a 10. I come from a, I never had a dad. My mom was always drinking. And now you're justifying why you're not lovable. But the thing is you need to go right back to the beginning. You were born certain that you were lovable. So you have to reactivate what's in you that's become buried, but you do have to heal it. And I think mm. we think, oh, healing is so long. What does that involve? I've got to play this meditation tape every day and spend hours massaging my own body or looking in the mirror. And actually, healing is actually making a decision mm. to think better thoughts. You know, no matter where you are in your life, thought comes first. Your thoughts create your feelings, which create your actions, which create your behaviors. And even your belief is nothing more than a thought you think a lot. And I
1: think we think it's, oh, i got to change one more time? all this. Can you say that yeah. one more time? Thoughts?
0: Thoughts always come first. Your thoughts create your feelings. Your feelings create your behaviors and your actions, which you justify. they go, it's like a loop. I think I'm not worthy of love. And that Mm -hmm. makes me feel very sad and defeated and probably angry and resentful. And if I think that thought and feel that feeling Mm -hmm. now, I act out, I'm difficult, or maybe I'm very needy or very pleasing, but I justify it because I've gone back to the thought, I'm not lovable. Mm -hmm. But if I change the thought, I'm lovable. Of course I'm lovable, even if I don't believe it. If I keep thinking the thought, well, I feel very different, I feel optimistic. I feel reassured. I feel quite confident. I feel certain someone's going to love me. And now I behave differently. I mm. take risks. I, talk, I look people in the eye. I speak to them. My actions are different. And I justify them by going back to the thought. I'm lovable.
1: When you want the best, you have to act quickly. Or someone else will get it instead. Like when you're trying to buy tickets for the best seat at your favorite team's big game Try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to fit your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com/lewis today to get ten percent off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P. dot slash L-E-W-I-S.
0: So we're so busy changing the behaviors, and the actions and the feelings when all you have to change is the thought. Mm. You know, you, it's hard to heal what you don't understand, but healing is just saying, I came from a crazy family. I came from a place with no money. I didn't get a great college degree. However, I am worthy of everything I want. I can have everything I want with bells on. So if you just change the thought, which always comes first, Everything else will take care of itself. And you know, you you own your thoughts. Mm-hmm. You have every right to change. And we think a thought and then we start to make that thought. Then we have this confirmation bias. If I think dogs are horrible yappy creatures that attack you, <laughs> if I think that thought, I feel anxious around dogs and you can believe the dog is gonna pick up my anxiety and I'll it's gonna be yappy, yeah. yeah. And it doesn't like me, and I'm now, now I've got confirmation. You see, I told you dogs are yappy, snappy, bitey things. Look what just happened. Babies don't like me. If I hold them, they go rigid. I always get dumped. Everything goes wrong. I can never keep a job for more than six months. When you think that thought, and you believe that thought, you begin to look for a confirmation bias of how that thought mm-hmm. is real. But confirmation bias can be very good. I think I'm lovable. Yeah. And I'm going to look for, yeah, well, my grandmother loved me. My first boyfriend said I was amazing. My teacher said something good. So you have to make confirmation bias work. Think a better thought. Start looking for examples of how it's true because whatever you look for, you will find. Whatever yeah. you look for, you, you get... You move towards what you already believe, you get more of what you already believe. So you gotta think a thought and then start looking for proof. And even if you can find hardly any, it doesn't matter, still do it and then it becomes true.
1: What about people that say, well, how do I know my thoughts come from me? How do I know they're not coming from somewhere else?
0: But it doesn't matter where they come from it's that's not important. What's important is let's change them. So if, you, mm-hmm. if your thoughts are coming at you or coming from you and they were negative, it doesn't matter where they come from, it only matters you think, I- I'm not gonna think this thought. Mm-hmm. You know, you can choose to be negative or positive, but you can't choose what it does to your body. When you think negative thoughts.
1: What does it do to your body when you think negative? Well,
0: when it creates a lot of cortisol, which creates inflammation, which is a precursor to many diseases. It makes you anxious. Mm-hmm. It makes you suffer with things like insomnia. It affects your digestion, it affects, it can even affect your metabolism. It affects your ability to have joy and happiness on the planet. So. Your thoughts are yours to change. And yes, you can pick up other people's thoughts. You know, I, I've often gone back to London, got in a cab, they go, oh, this country's a write-off. Look at the weather. And I just, I'm, so I've got to make take a call. And I just shut the intercom because I think, I don't want to let that right. in. I can't let in negative thoughts. I mean, they're around me and sometimes i'll be in a position where i'm hearing really negative. i can't hear that i can't let that in
1: it's it's fascinating because my dad used to you know one of our our first episode we ever did i think the title was your thoughts will heal you or kill you yeah and it was one of our most popular episodes i recommend people go listen to it or watch it and i think i might have told you then that my dad would always turn the commercials off Mm -hmm. when there would be some type of drug campaign or. Sick, if you're feeling sick yeah you need to buy this if you're yeah. fe- you know he would always mute or turn the channel
0: mm-hmm. constantly
1: turning the channel because he was like i don't want your mind to be yeah consumed i don't to really hear this these negative thoughts and it's something i've practiced most of my life i mean i'm not perfect but i don't watch the news still today yeah like even in the beginning I don't either. in the beginning of the pandemic i remember watching it for like a month because just like everything was happening and i just said why am I consuming this? Mm. I can get information and be educated on mm. what's actually happening in the world and be aware and be cautious of what I need to be cautious of, but the constant rumination of these negative thoughts mm. are not supporting my mind, they're not supporting my body, and they're not supporting my actions if I'm gonna be living in a fear, uh, fear-based fear state of mind and, and behavior. So I said, okay, I wanna be educated and informed, so. I'll get the updated information, but I'm not gonna get it in this hysterical storytelling, you Mm. know, mass media of the worst of the worst. I'm gonna get it written down of here's the data, here's the facts, be aware, be cautious, but not allow these thoughts to be consumed inside of me. And I think that's really helped me over these last two years, just stay focused on how can I take care of myself? How can I show up in a loving way? You know, how can I continue to serve my my team, my community, my, my audience? And not be crippled by these thoughts. Yeah, and it's it's been a you know a great practice that I had as a child that's helped me now as an adult. Mm. But uh, I see so many people consumed by these the media in the negative way or, yeah. or taking it in too much, and then holding on to that fear.
0: Yeah, and it's funny because when COVID hit, I was in England just moving to America, and I remember thinking, "Oh, I don't have any medicine in America," and I thought. And I went to buy some and everything had sold out. Yeah. And I thought, well, what am I doing if I buy all this medicine? Am I planning to get ill? And I had huh. a real dilemma. shall I buy all this stuff and ship it out to America? If I'm buying all this stuff, am I, um, all these cold remedies, am I planning to get a cold? Eventually I thought, you know what, I'm going to buy them for other people. Mm. I'm going to buy them for when I have visitors in my house. They need a bit of LEM sip, but I don't need it. And... Mm sometimes you have to really stop and think, you know, what am I doing? I'm buying antacids. I'm buying anti-sickness stuff to go on the plane. I'm I'm carrying pepper spray or bear spray on my key ring. What am I doing mm. here? Am I planning to get attacked? And I think it's okay to have that on your key ring. Right. Be depending prepared. On, but, yeah. but don't expect, oh, I need this. That mm. this something terrible is going to happen. You know, I lock my door and I would have put on an alarm, but I don't stress about it too much. So, but you are right, you, we sometimes think the most, I'm going to get sick, it's flu season, it's allergy season, oh. it's hay fever season, it's headache season. I know when I have a kid it will scream all night. I know when I have a kid I'll get really fat and you never get rid of the weight. I know when I meet someone it's not going to work. We really have to remember, mm. you have the power to make that thought real. But guess what, you also have the power to reverse it, this relationship is going to last forever. I'm going to be a great mom. Mm-hmm. I've got a great immune system. My body deals with germs every single day. So it really is a choice to just look at your thoughts, update them the way you update your software, mm. upgrade them. But so many of us don't <clears throat> even know what we're thinking. We I need coffee to cope. I, I need caffeine to get to get up in the morning. I need pills to go to sleep at night. Well, actually you don't, but if you think that thought, you're going to confirm it and make it real sleep, it will come to you wherever you are. Your body will cope very well with that yeah. caffeine. You're not going to gain a pound looking at pizza. <laughs> and you do know what full is, and you can stop eating, But. So many of us have been so influenced by the media. You know, in America, every third advert is for drugs, for Crazy, medicine. Because right? it's saying you need this. And the same thing for Happy Meals. You need this. No, you don't need any of that. You need to think better thoughts.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, what about people with low self-esteem or low confidence? Yeah. Where do you think that the root of that comes from? And how can we start to overcome that? self-doubt, low self-esteem, low confidence.
0: Yeah, well, again, I've never met a baby that was born with low self-esteem. No baby says, <laughs> I'm, that I am, I'm just yeah. <laughs> not going to try to crawl, it's too difficult, I can't get that food in my mouth, I'll give up, I can't quite hit the toilet, i just mm. stop bothering. So the good thing about that is you were not born with it, even if you had a horrible beginning and your parents gave you up for adoption and didn't want you. You know, one of my friends went to Russia to get a little boy, and he said it was so funny. So I walked in the orphanage, He ran up and he clung to my legs, so, and, and he said, and "When we left, I said say goodbye, and he just looked at me. He said, I'm not, look, I'm not looking back there. He said, Even as a baby, he knew. And he, when I picked him up to leave, when I got the adoption, he wouldn't look back. He wouldn't wave. He's like, I'm going that way wow. with you, and that's all behind me now. And he's an amazing kid, the boy he adopted, because he had a sense of you know, where he is. And he said one day, I said, I'm, I'm so glad I found you. He said, yeah, I'm glad we found each other. So he's already got that sense of we found each other. I found you, but you also found me and we helped each other. So with self-esteem, there is nothing on the planet that will build that faster than your own praise. We often think, well, I need to lose 10 pounds, get a six pack, update my wardrobe like that Bruce Springs and I want to change my face, my thoughts, my job. Do you remember that song mm, by Bruce? Yeah. You want to change your thoughts. That's all you ever need to change. And the thing that will raise and build your self-esteem is praise. There is nothing, no shoes, no cookies, no candy, no sex, no drugs, no alcohol, mm-hmm. nothing that will build your self-esteem like praise. And if you knew that to be true, to and it is true, then all you have to do is practice saying, I like myself, Mm
2: -hmm. I'm a
0: good person. I've got something to offer the world. I'm kind, I'm nice, I'm fascinating, I'm interesting, I'm compelling. You can make it as dramatic as you like. I'm magnetically lovable or just, I got a good heart. I'm an interesting person, Mm -hmm. people like me. So if you knew that the one thing that could build your praise was free, was immediate and was in you. Why wouldn't you use it? And I right. talk a lot in the book about exactly how to do that. Wow. Again, the cheerleader, the self-confidence. People get very confused with, I, I don't even know. What is self-love? Is that rubbing cream on myself, having a little sex aid? What is self-love? No, it's not that. It's looking in the mirror and saying, I'm nice. and the way to know if you love yourself is really three things. And the big one is, how do you talk to you? Do you say, I'm an idiot, i got rocks for brains, look at the state of me, I knew I'd mess that up. Mm-hmm. Self-love is being kind. So the mm-hmm. way you talk to yourself, the way you dialogue with you is the big key to self-love. Okay. So if someone said to me, oh my God, you messed that up, you idiot. I go, no, I made a mistake, but I learned from it. If mm-hmm. someone said to me, oh, yeah, I hate that book. I say, well, let me give you your money back. I'm sorry you didn't like it. I think it's a great book, but I'm happy to refund you because I'm not going to let them make me believe. Someone said, I hate your book. And go, oh, my God, they hated my book. I go, well, they didn't like it. I like it. Mm-hmm. So I will always talk to myself well, almost all the time. You don't have yeah. to do it 100%. Sure. 90% is as good. The second way of knowing how you love yourself is how do you treat yourself? Do you eat well? Do you hydrate? Mm -hmm. Do you get some people, do you lie on the sofa eating potato chips, staying up all night watching Netflix and knowing you've got to get up at eight and you're still watching something at 4 a.m. because that's not love. People say to me, I I love food. I'm like, no, loving pizza and beer is not love, it's abuse. Mm. Punishing workouts, that's not love, that's abuse. Starving yourself and eating celery juice or drinking Diet Coke, That's not love, it's abuse. And the only way to have a body you love is to actually start by loving the one you have. So love Mm. is, do I really want to eat donuts and Pop-Tarts and soda first thing in the morning? Would I give that to a baby? Would I give that to my pet? So how do you talk to yourself first? How do you treat yourself second? And once you get into, oh, I'm going to love myself, you won't eat donuts for breakfast and lots and lots of takeouts for dinner because you'll think that's not love. It's abuse. The whole dieting industry is based on abuse. Hate your body so much that you starve it, Mm. make it do the plank when you're not in the mood, force it to go running in the rain, and then go, I hate my legs, I hate my stomach. Mm. And then the third part is, how do you let other people treat
1: you? Ooh, that's a big one.
0: Do you let them put you down? Do you lend them money when you can't afford it? Do you go out of your way to give them a lift? Are you a real people pleaser? If you get the first one right, the other two will click into place anyway. But you're again, you're back into that, I'm trying to buy your love, I'm trying to earn your affection, I'm trying to make you like me. And people like you when you like you enough to say, oh, this doesn't suit me. Mm -hmm. No, I I don't really, I can't have your kids all weekend while you go to Burning Man, (laughs) it's just, isn't convenient you don't and and the other thing about it is don't keep saying sorry Mm. sorry i'm late sorry i'm sick say thank you thank you for waiting Mm -hmm. for me thanks Mm -hmm. for being such a great friend thanks for helping me out sorry i'm such a burden i'm sorry i know i'm a pain so when you get to understand what self-love looks like and I I dialogue with myself very nicely. I treat myself on the whole, I can have pizza and ice cream, but I don't need to have four tubs because I'm practicing self-love. I love a bit of cake, but I don't need the whole cake. And now that I love myself, when you say something mean, I can go, oh, I'm not gonna let that in. That's not very loving. And it all sounds hard, it's actually incredibly easy.
1: When we are people pleasers, Mm -hmm. and we let other people do things that necessarily we don't wanna do. yeah. We end up doing it because we don't want to let someone down or we yeah. want someone upset at us, and then we resent that yeah. we did the thing. Yeah. What is that saying about us when well, we are people pleasing? You're all putting the time?
0: yourself last and everyone else first, and it doesn't mean you should put yourself first, but you should not put yourself last. Mm. I mean, it's fine if you want to drive to the airport and pick someone up at 4 a.m. because you love them. That's perfectly okay. It's fine to lend someone money. to to lend someone your car, but if you're doing it to make them like you and you don't really want to do it, you put them first and you last. And it really helps to go, okay, is this love or abuse? I'm lending people Mm -hmm. my stuff when I can't afford to. I'm giving people my things. I'm giving them my time, my money, my energy when I haven't got it to give. So that's not love, it's abuse. Mm. And if you can look at things, is that love or abuse? And always come at love it becomes much much easier to get yeah. it right
1: yeah in the book there's a chapter in here where you're talking about um how some people will trade one negative addiction for a more socially acceptable positive addiction yeah they'll stop drinking alcohol but then they're having you know 10 cokes a day or mm-hmm. something they'll stop doing something else unhealthy but then they'll be working out 3 hours in the gym you talk about yeah. a day and they trade one negative addiction for a different addiction which seems to be more positive but is also abusive in its own way
2: mm.
1: why do why do certain people trade one addiction for another and how could they actually sit with the time and the mm. energy and the, the 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 conversations the thoughts of the anxiety or the the stress that they're having, Mm. and just not be addicted anymore.
0: Well, again, you've got to go back to that ladder of looping thoughts. What's the thought that runs an addiction? It's always the same, I'm not enough. Mm. I'm not enough is going to be behind every addiction. Because if you're not enough, guess what you need? More. Mm. I need more food, more alcohol, more drugs, more sex, more shopping, more Netflix. And many, many mm. addicts try to change the behavior. I'm not gonna go to the bar. I'm not gonna go to the ice cream shop. I'm, I'm gonna avoid that, that situation. So I'm trying to change the behavior, but you have to go back and change the thought. And there's someone called Ryan in the book. I think it's yes. the second chapter. Yeah. And that is a classic story of alcoholism. Ryan, bless his heart, because he's a lovely person was an addict, alcohol and drugs, was also addicted to people that hurt him in relationships. And he'd been to rehab over and over again to change the behavior. And by the way, in rehab, they have cupboards full of candy. Mm. Don't drink, eat chocolate, eat more chocolate, eat more stuff, because they're just switching one addiction for another. And many ex-addicts, I'm addicted to food, I'm addicted to shopping, I'm addicted to praise. and because you're still treating the behavior. The thought creates the feeling that, behave, that creates the behavior. I've worked with thousands and thousands of adults I've never met one ever who ever felt they're enough. And when you go back mm. to that, whenever you think you're not enough, you will need more of something. When you know you are enough, you don't need cake after all. One donut might be, okay, why would you want six? Why would you need three pizzas followed by a beer? Why would you need a whole bottle of wine if one could make you feel good? If one purse or pair of shoes could make you feel good, why have you got a closet full of them? Mm-hmm. Clearly it isn't working, but with addiction, if you try to treat the behavior and only the behavior, you just swap behaviors.
1: So we have to go back to the thought You have first. to go
0: back to the thought. Thought comes before behaviors. Mm. Thought causes actions. If you just change the thought, I worked with many alcoholics who've stopped drinking, like like Ryan, in one session, because he went back to look at the thought and said, well, let's change that. And many people say, no, it's amazing. I stopped drinking, stopped binging, stopped using, because I suddenly realized, Oh, it was a thought I was thinking that caused me so much pain. And the thought wasn't even true.
1: Mm -hmm. Range Rover Sport leads by example. Picture this Is it possible to change the thought that quickly if let's say you're you know 40 years old you've been addicted for 20 years and you've kind of had this emotional i guess trauma trapped in your body and in your mind on a repeat for decades is it possible to quit to change it that quickly or does it usually take a you know a few months the more i guess embedded this is in your system like
0: It just depends. You know, you can change a thought in 21 seconds. Is it 21 days, 21 hours? It can be 21 seconds. It depends on you. Some people change thoughts instantly. Right. They they, they learn something new. It's like suddenly you realize that Father Christmas isn't real. Right. And everything changes. And it's not hard work. Or you realize that there is no tooth fairy. There is no scary monster. Maybe you even realize there isn't hell. So. You can be instant, but it doesn't matter if it isn't. You know, Mm -hmm. you can change three ways, immediate change, we all want that, oh, I changed my thinking. You know, it's a bit like someone saying, I thought that person loved me, and then someone woke me up and said, you know, that's not love, that's abuse.
2: Mm -hmm. It's like saying,
0: oh, I thought, you know, I was doing the right thing by hating my body, and it's not changing, but then I realized, everything I thought was love is abuse, so I'm going to do yoga, not mm-hmm. running. I'm not going to eat diet food. I'm going to love my body with proper food. It can be an instant thought, you, you know, like for instance, my um, my friends went into an abattoir, came out and said, that's it, I could never eat meat again. In that instant, everything changed. If you ate, I don't know, oysters and were violently sick, that changed, you can never eat them again right. because you've linked pain to it. Anything you're over the toilet bringing everything. oh no. <laughs>
1: Never again. Never yeah.
0: again. Never again. And, yeah, if and you're it, throwing it, up from alcohol yeah,
1: the night before or whatever It's not saying. even
0: work. You just yeah. go, no, uh, I can't do that again. So you can change instantly, and that's always the best kind. But there's also a second change, which is cumulative. It means bit by bit you mm-hmm. think, oh, when did I last scream at my kids? When did I last have that tension headache? Mm-hmm. I'm noticing it's getting better. And then the third change is called retroactive, when you don't even know you've changed. It says, wow, look at you. Or your partner says, gosh, you're so much calmer. Someone says, wow, Lewis, you're looking great. Mm -hmm. So instant change, cumulative change, retroactive change, but it doesn't matter which change you get because you are changing in the same way that some people have 10 driving lessons, pass their test, that's it. Other people have 100 Mm
2: -hmm.
0: lessons and finally pass their test, but you're all equal on the road. So with the changes, you're thinking, well, my friend did that diet and lost 50 pounds and I didn't, I guess I'm a failure. My friend did that workout and got a six pack. I didn't, my friend did that and it changed the life. It didn't work for me. And the saddest thing is we don't blame the program, we blame ourselves, Mm. I guess I'm just a failure. So don't compare your change to other people. Some people change really fast and other people don't. Some people pick up a language really fast. Super fast other people don't yeah that's not important don't blame important. yourself yeah don't
1: don't shame well, yourself no. either
0: no don't blame yourself don't shame yourself again that's abuse isn't it everything you're doing that's abusive turn it around to being more loving i made a mistake i forgot something i was mean to my kids today i lost it i ended up eating 3 kit Kats because i didn't go out for lunch but mm. i could remember next time to have some nuts in my bag or to take something with me.
2: Yeah.
0: I shouted at my kids because I hadn't eaten and I was so stressed and I realized I could have taken a deep breath. So don't, you know, if you, you can only learn by making a mistake, but it doesn't matter how long it takes. It's like saying, how long does it take to climb a mountain? I don't know, but when you get to the top, the view is the same for everyone, whether you mm-hmm. sprinted up there or went a very slow crawl, everyone has the same view.
1: Yeah. You said there were a couple points to addiction, the first one being, I'm not enough. Was there a couple more points to kind of the root of addiction? Well,
0: any addiction is classified as something that moves you away from a bad behavior to a good one. People can be addicted to exercise. They can be addicted to orgasms. But it's anything that moves you away from something bad to something good that you can't stop, that Mm -hmm. starts to run you. And people think addicts are really cold and and mean, but addicts are often very fragile, deeply sensitive. So if we look at the Jimi Hendrix Mm -hmm. and David Bowie and and Prince and, and Michael Jackson, people who are addicted to pain pills, they often are very fragile. Amy Winehouse, even Whitney, very sensitive, fragile creatures that the world is very hard on. And if you're an addict in any way, you have to realize that addicts are very creative. If you say to Anthony Hopkins, hey, Anthony, can you play a psychopath? He can see that and play it and terrify everyone. If you say to Amy, hey, Amy, could you write about pain? She could knock out Back to Black in five minutes because they're so creative. And if you're creative, you are receptive to suggestions, which is your biggest gift Mm. and your biggest downfall. Because you go, I didn't think that was very good. I thought someone else wrote much better. So addicts are very sensitive, often highly creative. They find the real world very hard and Mm. they need support and kindness. That's not easy when you have an 18 year old kid who's stealing from you to buy drugs but sending them to rehab where they're told you're trying to kill yourself is often not the case. They're often trying to stay alive and it's hard to be kind. Right. But it's the only thing that works with addicts, going back and saying, look, not what's wrong with you, but what happened to you? Mm. When did you decide you don't matter? When did you decide mm. you were worthless? What happened to make you believe you're not enough? And I've worked with many 17 year addicts who say, well, I didn't have a dad. My dad left when I was one. He never saw me. He's got another kid he loves more than me, and I'm nothing. I go, but that's not true. Your dad is an idiot. I'm sorry you have an idiot for a dad, but your dad not seeing you has nothing to do with your greatness and your gifts. And, but it's hard for children because their worth is who loves me? Am I lovable? And if no one loves you, how can you believe you're lovable? As you get older, you think, well, I got to stop. if nobody loves me, and I'm allowing myself to believe I'm not lovable, maybe I could reverse that and go, I am lovable. I am, I am, I am, even if I think it's silly because you're, you're changing the thought. And we know that our thoughts radiate mm. from us, like a magnet, people that pick our thinking. You know, mm. if, if you, I was at a ranch last week and um, working with horses, and if the horse thinks you like it, you know, you, you go and you have to lie on it. So you touch where it, all its organs are, its stomach, mm. and first the horse will tune into your breathing, actually tunes into your smell. if it goes, oh, you like me and I'm safe, it will let you hold it. But if you're nervous and anxious, the horse will pull away. But people are no different. We tune into our, nice. someone else's thoughts. We tune into other people's beliefs much more than we tune into their actions. So change your thoughts, because it won't just change how you feel about you, it will change how everyone else feels
1: about you. Right, because if your thoughts are going to create feelings and emotions within you, your body Mm. language is going to change based on your thoughts. Of course. And people are going to pick up that energy around you. Yeah. And what I'm hearing you say, people who are addicted, their number one thought is, I'm not enough. Yeah. And so they need to go back to the beginning of reversing that lie changing that thought yeah. yeah, and like
0: with Ryan, it, it, it doesn't take forever. It can take an hour, it can take yeah. half an hour. It takes you, because I remember saying to Ryan, you know, you think you're a broken person, but you're not. You're a person who's had some broken experiences. You think you're flawed. The truth is you had flawed parenting, mm. but you're not flawed. You're not, you're not a machine that's broken. You're yes. a person who's had some broken events, but it doesn't mean you're broken.
1: We would go a lot into I'm Enough as well, your other book, which yeah. I really loved as well. Um, I want to get into relationships here in a moment. But if if you're watching this, listening to this right now, make sure you guys check out this book. Tell yourself a better lie. I'll have it all linked up below on the YouTube video and on the, the podcast as well. Uh, make sure you get this and I Am Enough if you feel like you're not enough.